We all pot down here. You kids will be the death of me. Welcome to We All Pod Down Here. I'm Dan. And I'm Brittany. And today we are going to be talking about the people under the stairs. Now, in our house we don't have any stairs, so there couldn't possibly be any people there. But if you have any stairs, take a look. Maybe you never know. So well, this... We're in Florida. We have just the people probably under the terrain. Yeah, there's probably plenty. Florida of man's out there. The Florida man is everywhere. So this is the Wes Craven film from 1991. It's about a family is about to be evicted from their apartment due to not being able to pay the rent. And a family friend has a plan. Let's rob the landlords of some of their rare coins that they're rumored to have. But this heist ends up not being child's play. No, not that one. <laughs> There's no Chucky dolls. Though that would have been an interesting twist. Yeah, just suddenly Chucky shows up out of nowhere and just stabs the woman in the leg. That would have been really cool. The other people in the stairs, it's the doll under the stairs. Yeah, like he was he was just randomly one of the things they locked under the stairs. They were so desperate for a son that they got a, the Chucky doll. <laughs> hey, you know what? He wouldn't obey them. He doesn't obey anything. Nah. It's part of his job. Even the laws of physics and everything else. <laughs> laws of physics, reality, and none of it makes sense. So obviously this movie is a classic by Wes Craven. Somehow neither Dan or I have ever seen it. It's kind of an understated classic from everything i've looked at it's not something that's gotten a lot of attention which is a shame because it's a great movie but it's one of those ones that slipped by under the radar for a lot of people it's got like a cult following now and of course we should also throw out there that jordan peele is doing a remake yeah absolutely that'll be exciting because i feel like he did really good with i know he didn't actually direct Candyman, but he did a great job with you know helping with the writing and producing of Candyman. yeah it's a similar instance here that he's going to be producing so part of the inspiration for this for wes craven was this is actually a true story he read about in 1978 yeah in los angeles there was a pair of burglars and there were two children found locked in a basement of the house they broke into yeah, after the burglars were gone, the police showed up and they found these poor two children that had just been locked away. So he decided to make a very extreme version of that. <laughs> Sadly, there's probably a lot of cases, like obviously not nearly as extreme as in this movie, but... There's some that are almost more extreme, I'd argue. I was looking into some other cases of feral children's stories of raised by wolves and all that, but then mm -hmm. there's also cases where actually of children that are just basically like locked away by their parents... A long time ago, it used to be a lot of rich families had the disappointments rooms, is what they would call them. And which is of course, just so twisted. It is, and that's, there's a movie based on it, which we should watch at some point. It's very, I actually liked it, but these basically what they would do is these kids that either had some kind of disability or they were deformed in some way, they would lock them away in this room and like never let them out because they didn't want people to know they had this deformed child. And it's so sad. But yeah. yeah, that was a real thing that happened for a long time. So like a lot of older houses that were owned by really wealthy people, you can see, you can find these little hidden away rooms that they call the disappointments rooms. It's so, yeah. sad how, yeah. how those poor children were treated as subhuman. I know. It's heartbreaking. More recently, apparently we had one recently just south of us in Plant City in Florida. So there was a poor girl named Danielle Crockett and she had been, I guess, also kind of situation where she was locked away. She had no interaction with any other people until she was found, and she was seven years old when they that, found her. That's a lot of damage. Yeah. So there is not only, like, obviously mental 
development delays, but I guess also she had a lot of physical delays because of the way they had locked her up. So she was adopted and they've been trying to do a lot of stuff to acclimate her to basically like life and trying to teach her to read. Last update I found was in 2017. They refer to her, her name's Danielle, but they refer to her as Danny. She lives in a group home, but she was unable to learn how to speak. Man, that's awful. I know. And one of the more famous examples is Jeannie. So Jeannie was kind of similar with, she was found in the 70s, but it was the early, I think it was actually in 70. But she was born in 57, and Jeannie is the pseudonym they use for her. I don't know if they ever actually released her real name, but she had been locked away until she was 13 years old, seven months, I believe is what I read. And she's now a ward of the state of California because they just were not able to get her reacclimated, but she was only found out. She actually, they did take her outside on occasion, but the mom apparently was almost completely blind and was going to apply for disability. And I guess went accidentally went into a social worker's room instead of the social security room. So while she's trying to apply for social security disability, she walks into the social worker's room. And the social worker immediately knew something was wrong with this child. Like she can barely walk and all sorts of stuff. And that's how they ended up figuring out what had happened to her. And there's photos of her where she just can barely walk and stuff. It's just heartbreaking. But imagine the first 13 years of your life going through something like that. Yeah. The kid just never had a chance. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the movie instead of the sad reality that is life. This movie has a lot of stuff based on stuff that kind of is reality of life, especially in yeah. L.A. Gentrification, things like that. Yeah, and absolutely. A lot of class issues and social issues. Yeah, and that's what I think one of those things where it was like kind of supposed to be satire to an extent. And it just has become more and more real. Like the gap of the rich and the poor seems to have just broadened and the middle class has like shrunk to next to nothing at this oh, point. For sure. Like you look at things now, this, the balance is all We so are the people under the off. stairs. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they had the gentrification, because um, as you said, going back to kind of the plot of the movie, it starts out where we meet this kid who he goes by the name Fool. His real name is Poindexter Williams, and he's played by Brandon Adams, which you probably know him from The Sandlot, Mighty Ducks, Fresh Prince. He also, apparently we read that his debut acting was in Michael Jackson's it was kind of like a music-based film for Michael Jackson's Moonwalker, and he was most prominently featured in the Smooth Criminal segment. Got it. Okay, yeah, because I saw that it was something to do with Smooth Criminal, and I was like, wait a minute, I was like, I thought he was in the music video, but okay, yeah. Yeah, so it was a... like a music-based movie. It was kind of weird, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, he was featured very heavily. I remember him mostly from Mighty Ducks, because he was in the first two Mighty Ducks movies. He was um, one of a pair of brothers. And he was really great in those movies. And he yeah. had he was in a lot of like big stuff during this time period. For sure. We meet him. His sister apparently has been doing like tarot card read, readings on him. And he, I guess, consistently came up getting the fool card. So that's where mm-hmm. he got his nickname of fool. But at one point, he refers to himself as Poindexter as Dexter. And I'm just thinking, I was like, all right, kid, you get to become a serial killer in the future. Oh, boy. I like how they explained his tarot. The fool is, you know, not an idiot, but someone who's ignorant and child gonna grow into like whatever he encounters gonna turn him into a man and all this stuff is about and, growing oh boy, up what does he stuff. encounter oh yeah he encounters some shit yeah but so basically he's found out that his mom apparently has cancer and so these guys in the neighborhood are trying to get him to help them the heist to get this these coins so that not only do they get their money but they're also going to let him have enough to 
allow him to pay his rent because apparently they were some of the last people in the building and there was some yeah. contract in their lease that if they were late even a little bit on their rent, then they had to pay three times the rent. And of course, yeah. they don't have that. Yeah, they were the last tenants and they wanted to, this is where it gets to the gentrification, they were going to bulldoze the place and build fancy condominiums for basically for rich white people. Yeah. Not that that, that, that never happens anymore. No, never. <sighs> anyway, so he goes along with this heist. They try to get in there. Of course, the guy that you get to go in there that was pretending to be... It first starts off with full pretending to be the Boy Scout selling cookies. No, no, he's a Bear Scout, they said. Yeah, oh, that's right, a Bear Scout. Because, you know, like with Boy Scouts, there's Cub Scouts and Bear Scouts. So he's really moved up the ladder really quickly. It's impressive. But he's trying to sell cookies, says for cerebral palsy. And they're just trying to find, like, they're scouting this house out, essentially. Yeah. Trying to figure out a way in. So he gets a little bit of intel here. There's like padlocks on all the outside doors and windows. Yeah, and that's and what's weird. I think initially he notices that, and that's what I notice is that mm-hmm. they're on the outside. So yeah, it's very obviously weird. Obviously, shows to you're be trying on to keep outside. someone in, not stop people from exactly. coming in. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, so they're still trying to stop people from coming in, but the goal is again to keep someone inside. They're capturing people inside. Yeah. So we quickly find out that one of these guys that's in the heist, he really wants to check the burglar alarm situation. He goes in claiming he's like the gas man and then doesn't come back. So Fool and the other guy. As Leroy. Leroy. Leroy Jenkins. Exactly. And he's played by Ving Rhames, who is certainly the most prominent actor in this movie. He was in Jacob's Ladder, Pulp Fiction, featured in almost all of the the newer Mission Impossible movies. He's very as a repeat in the series. Con Air. And my favorite role of his in Lilo and Stitch, he was the voice of Bubbles. Bubbles. The way he says it just cracks me up every time. <laughs> he does a great job. He's a legendary actor. He's wonderful. Yeah, but so they go, they both run in there because they're trying to, A, figure out why their friend didn't come back. Mm-hmm. They also saw the couple leave, so they were like, okay, something's clearly wrong. Yeah. They get in there and they end up finding that he's dead in the basement. They see all these people down there, like shining lights, and they mm-hmm. look really deformed and creepy. So, obviously, Fool knows something's wrong, and yeah. the only smart one in here, he's trying to get the other guy to come out. The couple comes back, yeah. and I think we should point out, backing up a little bit to the what happened earlier, is we also see that they have a daughter, and she's doesn't seem to be allowed outside. Yeah, these people are creepy. Yeah. And they are, they are played by Wendy Roby, who they don't really go by their actual name. They just call her Mommy. She's credited as woman. Her most famous role was in the original Twin Peaks series, as well as one of the movies. And her opposite is played by Everett McGill. His known in the movie as Daddy, credited as Man. He was also in Twin Peaks. They were a couple, Nadine and Ed Hurley. Very strange couple chemistry with these two. And so what they were able to do in Twin Peaks, they thought they were perfect for this role. And they absolutely were. Other things that Everett McGill was in, he was in the 1984 version of Dune, which is very underrated. Check it out. Yeah, so they end up going and they meet their, their daughter, who is played by A.J. Langer. And this was actually, I believe, her debut film, and her name in the film was Alice. And, of course, I'll have to give you a moment to let you say what she was in, because I know you always got to get your Seinfeld reference in here. Of course I do. So uh, she was in the episode The Fatigues as Abby. That's a great episode. Frank Costanza comes back to cooking again. Oh, wonderful. Her most prominent role was in My So-Called Life, who's the star of the series. 
And a fun fact about her, she married Hugh Courtney, who became the 19th Earl of Devon in England. So she married into the English royal family, and she is now the Countess of Devon. Nice title. Fancy. Very you fancy. go from being an abused child to being a countess. Yeah. That's the way to go. Climbing the ladder. Only if you're white, though. <laughs> I'm not wrong. No, That's what not. this movie basically is about. Right, and it, it really hits class warfare about the rich people intentionally holding the poor people down, and they give these people nothing. They make their lives a living hell for their own selfishness. And that's why it's one point in the movie when, towards the end, when... He finds the money. Yeah, when Fool finds the money, he goes in there and he's like, well, no wonder there's no money in the ghetto. It's all here, basically. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's all there. They have done nothing but try to keep these poor people down. Yeah. And when Daddy says, just run the coins through your hands, I do it all the time. Yeah. They don't even care. It's just like they're just doing it because they can. They're like not funny Scrooge McDuck. So Scrooge McDuck decided to keep like his, his nephews just like locked up yeah. in a room or something. It wasn't quite Scrooge McDuck level. Like if, if it was well, like, no, no, if no, it I was filling meant... the room like a pool, I would have been very upset if there wasn't a diving board in there. But yeah, the, then you have the Peter Griffin situation. I was he thinking di- that. He dies in. It breaks like, all his bones in his yeah, he's body. Like, he's like, ha, ah, it's not a liquid. It's just a mass of solid objects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Don't dive into a pool of money unless you want all your bones broken. But if yeah. you're that rich that you can do that, I hope you break all your bones. Yeah, I mean, if you literally have a pool of money, or if it's all paper money, you're going to get some mad paper cuts. Yeah. Or maybe you'd be like Magic Johnson. That's how you cure your AIDS. Oh, boy. What was it? Was it ten thousand dollars of liquefied money? I thought it money? was thirty thousand. It was a lot of liquefied money, and Cartman did some absolutely awful things that were. What Cartman being awful? No, never. never. Ask Scott Tennerman. <laughs> anyway, so the whole point of this obviously is that she's there, and at one point she's sitting in her room eating her food, and then finds out that her mother comes in and says that making sure she didn't lick her plate, which I was thinking. Go fuck yourself, lady. I, I lick mm-hmm. my plates all the time. Mm-hmm. If it's good, I'll lick it. Probably she didn't lick it. It was probably like just like one. crap that she gave her. But she realizes there's no fork there. And then she's like, oh, it must fall on the floor. And she quickly goes to find it. And when she does, you see this creepy little hand reach out with like long, almost claws. And it looks really... Like really like long fingernails. Or long fingernails. But they looked almost like claws. Yeah. And, and his you know, arm's real pale. And he mm-hmm. hands her the fork. And then she's like, oh, here it is. And they say that she's been feeding that thing in the walls, which... So they know they're there. So this is clue number one that these people are batshit crazy. Yeah. Because I remember we watched it and you were like, wait, they know that it's there and they're staying in the house? Yeah. And it's like, well, <laughs> it gets worse. Yeah. So we find out that this quote unquote thing in the walls is what's supposed to be a child. He's supposed to be, I guess, like 15, 16. Yeah. Though. But they've adopted a lot of male children. Yeah. They wanted to have a boy and a girl. Like the quote unquote stereotypical perfect, perfect family. family unit. Yeah. And they wanted to get a boy. But the problem was... Everyone they got misbehaved somehow, so that wasn't okay. So they locked them up like some sort of... Animal? Animal, yeah. It's just, and no animal would deserve any of this. No. And they just locked them up, and they did horrible things. Like with him, he talked back to them, so they cut his tongue out. Yeah, they had the big whole see no evil, speak no evil, hear speak no, evil. no e- Wait. Hear no evil, hear- speak no evil, see no evil. Yeah, they had that whole thing going on. There was like little monkeys with it, and... 
So that was, I guess, the whole idea was anything that they did wrong, they basically couldn't do anything that was quote-unquote evil. Mm-hmm. So this poor girl barely hung on to not doing anything evil. And at this point, we find out that this boy in the wall later, we find out is a child named, they call him Roach. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what the parents called him or if she just called him that or he calls himself Probably that. because he's in the wall. That's my that, guess. That was kind of my guess, too. But yeah, so he's played by Sean Whalen, who is known for Twister. Apparently... He was in the first Got Milk commercial. Mm-hmm. As um, a deranged history buff, and that was directed by Michael Bay. So I'm surprised no milk exploded. In yeah, I was going to say, Michael Bay directed something where there wasn't an explosion? Shocking. Right. It was cool. He added a parody commercial for something when they were just everything was blowing up. It was all nonsensical. So at least that he was has a sense of humor commercial. He's like, it. I'm Michael Bay. I like to blow things up. He <laughs> just like, presses a button, there's an explosion. And I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is so accurate. Mm-hmm. At least he embraces it. Yep. But so the... Kind of funny thing is, I don't know if this was meant to be like kind of a twisty thing, but Sean Whalen, since he was in Twister at Universal Studios Orlando, the Twister ride. Oh, yeah, I wish that was still there. Is it? No, it's not. It's long gone. But yeah, so what I think is funny is that apparently they couldn't get the rights to do, I believe it was The Shining, Psycho, and there was one other that they were trying to get the rights to do, but they couldn't get any of those and they got the rights to do the scene from Last House on the Left. So when the Twister part's ending, you can see this little like clip from Last House on the Left, which is kind of funny since Sean Whalen was also in Twister. Hmm. It's all, everything's connected. Which everything. Is literally, I'm literally wearing my Astonishing Legends shirt mm-hmm. right now. It everything says everything's connected. connected. It's true. Convenient. So I know we're jumping around a little bit on this, but so jumping back to the actual story, what I think's really good is that you see that the desperation for like Fool and you know this whole community that they basically are like desperate just to survive while these people literally have a room it was supposed to be the embalming room apparently but it's mm-hmm. just filled with money this place was a funeral home yeah and is explained later in the movie by fool's grandfather that they were a family that ran a funeral home and made really crappy caskets and overcharged for them and then they got into real estate and just started taking over the neighborhood essentially and fun thing was that they're not husband and wife. It's brother and sister. We got a Lannister situation on our hands. We do. We do. Thankfully or not, I don't know, but none of these children are theirs. They're not biological, thank God. They're not just that. They are stolen. Mm-hmm. That's what they found and, out, is that these kids have literally been stolen. One of the weirdest, creepy things is once they kill something, they go into this bondage mode where daddy is in this full-on head-to-toe bondage suit. I don't know what these two are doing. I don't know if this is some sort of weird erotic thing. I don't know. I don't want to know. It's weird, but yeah, yeah even he's like when running he's around hunting for like the the kid. In one point, he puts all that on like while he's running around looking for him, and then the police show up, and he's got a real quick kid dressed back mm-hmm. in his street clothes. He's running around this bondage gear with a shotgun, shooting like just shooting up this house. Like his house isn't in the greatest shape, but boy, they got quite a system of doors and locks and stuff. You know what it reminded me of a little bit? If you crossed Mouse Hunt with the horror of the H. H. Holmes murder castle. Yeah. Because it has all those elaborate trick, like, rooms. Like, when the cops come looking through their house, you Mm -hmm. see that they have this pantry that literally, like, closes up so that you can't see the basement. The stairs in the basement. They press a button and it turns into a ramp so it drops people on the stairs. Yeah. So it reminded me a lot of, like, the idea of the the murder castle. So I don't know if that was what Wes Kramer was going for, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But, yeah, so they basically have this murder castle. They, like pit they're throwing these people into and it's just obviously disgusting and but i'm just like oh my gosh how does this not smell like the worst thing in the mm-hmm. world and i realized that 
obviously down there they have this whole little room where they're just keeping these poor people that were children that they decided instead of killing them for whatever reason i don't know if it's because they have this weird thing where they keep saying you know again they tell them like burn in hell you're gonna burn in hell and i don't know if it's something weird with them thinking oh we can't actually kill them because that would be a sin mm-hmm. apparently stealing children and cutting off their ears or cutting tongues. out their eyes or their tongues but, like that's not though none of them are but missing they murder their the eyes. intruders like it's okay to murder them i guess they guess well, they probably like, justify that like, as like, like protecting their house. body there's a point where he's hacking it up and he's feeding it to these quote-unquote children and he's he's eating something he's, eating, he's having a little bit of a snack himself and he's like rib cages all ripped up it's gross yeah there's a lot of fuckery going on in this place yeah it ain't pretty and these two are just the complete epitome of just bad shit insane this is like incest to the max but thank goodness it didn't produce any fruit yeah well the thing is we don't know for sure if it's incest that's what it's implied yeah yeah it's implied and they call themselves mommy and daddy but yeah. at the same time we don't actually see any of that happen thank so God. yeah for real but yeah so no dennis reynolds we are not showing it yeah so like i said it's obviously got a lot to do with capitalism with mm-hmm. you know the idea of these people being on top doing everything they can to keep people below them which obviously like i said is still a theme to this day which is why i think jordan peele could redo this and make it one for one and nothing would have changed yeah. but i think he's going to add some more modern things to it like he does and sure. it's going to be great and i'm yeah. excited class warfare is a major theme in this movie and about racism, stuff like that. Yeah, they use the N-word at one point. They drop it once. They try to do it again. They could even imply it and get away with it, but just them saying it once is all you need to hear. These are disgusting, racist fuckers. And these are just terrible people, deranged, terrible, psychotic, whacked-out people. And it's kind of a caricature of people like that, the people that willingly and gleefully participate in gentrification and things like that and intentionally will do terrible things to people and create class separation. Kind of cartoonish at times. Mm -hmm. Volume turned all the way up to silliness sometimes because it's just overtly wacky. But there's a lot of... The message is there and important. Yeah, the meaning is there. It's deep. It's... And that's one of the things I enjoyed most about this because, yeah, it was over-the-top crazy. and But it actually has a really serious message behind it. And like George Carlin says, I entertain and inform. <laughs> and this is what a lot of this was. And Wes Craven's really good at doing that. Yeah, for sure. What I really liked was when, towards the end, when they come knocking on the door, it's the sister comes and she's telling them off. And I forget the exact way she worded it, but it was like she said she was for the association of people who... Who've been fucked over. Yeah, like she... It sounds all, like, official, and then she's like, who you have royally fucked over, or mm-hmm. something to that effect, but... Yeah. What I like, though, is that when the sister comes knocking on the door, and then the granddad comes, um, Grandpa Booker, which... Who played him? Was it Bill Cobbs? Yes, Bill Cobbs was Grandpa Booker. He had... He was in a lot of older movies, like The Hitter, I'll Fly Away. He was in The Sopranos as a guest spot that was really well-renowned and very shortly lived, but another sci-fi connection. He was on the Michael Richard show. So, and also I always think of him from fluke. Mm. Do you remember the movie with the little dog, the, or the guy that gets reincarnated as the dog. Mm-hmm. And remember he was the other dog that's walking what becomes fluke around. And he's like the guy that owns the, the oh, shop. That's right. I didn't and that's why I always, every time I see him, that's all I think of. Hmm. Cause I, I watched that movie so much as a kid, but he, 
comes and he's pretending to be the police, telling them, you know, like he's knocking on the door saying, open it up. So she goes and opens it up. And then, of course, she realizes, obviously, it's not the police. And she was saying, like, what are you guys going to do? It's just a couple of you, basically. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all these fucking people show up. And it reminds me a lot of the scene in Candyman mm-hmm. where they're burning that pile. And there is this whole community that they try to, whenever you hear about anything like, anything with the, you know, the police doing something, they're not doing something terrible. Sure. All you hear about is like, oh, well, what about black on black, you know, crime and stuff? And it's like, you know what, go fuck yourself. There's clearly this whole community and it's not the way that they try to portray it in the media, that the the rich white people try to portray it. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they do. They try to, again, make it like, you know, let's pit the lower people against each other. Of course. Distract from the... Divide and conquer kind of thing. You know, like you put divisions between people and you make up stereotypes that aren't necessarily true they try to make it about things that it isn't these are people that are pushed to the brink they're trying to survive somehow and who pushed them there who put these people in that position exactly these rich fucks who don't care about anybody but their own pocketbooks and their twenty thousand dollar washcloths yeah and you know what's going to happen next when jordan peele releases that i guarantee you we're going to see the fucking shit show of people being like yeah they're trying to talk about social issues in a horror movie it's like that's what it was originally just like with Candyman, all these people got mad Mm -hmm. i don't understand how you all don't understand that this is what the original movie was about well i mean look at the people making these comments are typically people who are just utterly devoid of a clue yeah any situation so you know these are the people that think think trickle down economics works yeah these are also people who probably think saw was a good movie so (laughs) i I mean literally they probably fair there's a lot of people that like saw let's not lump them all in with these terrible people i don't want to there's there's different levels of dumb i guess (laughs) it's not dumb to like a movie be nice no (laughs) <laughs> I'm standing my ground on that one. But um, but the, the issue is a lot of people just look at it on the surface. Oh, Candyman, it's about a guy with bees flying out of his mouth just killing random people. No, it's not. And a lot of horror movies do have a lot of social commentary in them. Look at the dead movies. Tons of social commentary. For sure. Tons of them. George Romero had a lot to say with those movies that a lot of people probably ignore. That's because, again, you talk about the people who, they see something like this and they see the horror in the sense of, like, the creepy factor of it. The literal. Yeah, the literal horror, but they don't, again, and when I say dig deep, there is, like, this is, like, just scratch the surface and you can see the moral of this. This Oh, yeah, this is, this slaps you in the face. This isn't, like, the lighthouse where you had to really dig to Mm -hmm. understand a lot of it. This was. This was obvious. Yeah. That. Rich white people are terrible keeping, and again, we have people mm-hmm. to this day that are people that will, are so rich like Jeff Bezos that has more money than he'll ever know what to do with. Mm-hmm. You could do even, like, have your big nice house and a couple nice cars. I ain't faulting anyone who has a lot of money for doing something mm-hmm. like that. Hey, people like him and Elon Musk who tax evade and stuff like that. Yeah, like, it, but, but at the same time, it's like, okay, but you could pay all your taxes and you'd still have more money than you know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Just pay your goddamn taxes and... At least then that would put us in a better spot as a country. Yeah. Well, you know, doing their fair share is not what they want to do. But again, that's that goes into class warfare and, you know, I'm not rich fault- get richer kind of thing. Yeah, the- and I'm not faulting you if you legitimately, like, you know, worked hard and made a lot of money. Great. Go okay. for it. You know, Jeff have- Bezos is a brilliant businessman and did a lot. And, yeah. And created a service that has, for many people, become quite essential. 
but at the same kudos time, to him, but you know, you can pay also his, pay your workers better and you not pay, treat them like shit. Yeah, you could have all of this and still have more money than you know what to do with. That's mm-hmm. the thing I don't understand. It's like take the Costco route and not not the route and make sure of, your hot dogs stay the same price. Exactly. Look it up. The fight for the dollar fifty hot dog combo. Yeah, because he what, what did he say that? He like if it ever movie. changes, is like it'll be because I'm dead. <laughs> And the idea behind it is to provide a cherry on top when you're leaving, a send-off. You got a good deal for something on the way out. It's Mm -hmm. positioned at the end of the checkouts for a reason. Hey, you grab a bite to eat on the way out, and it's not going to cost you a bunch of money. And it's giving you a value. It's giving you you the exclamation point. It's leaving with a good impression. And it's smart business. It's really smart. But it's also, you know, providing something cool. I... have left Costco one time, I think, ever without spending under a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like consistently, I spend probably two to five hundred dollars every time I go to Costco. Now, granted, I don't. You're go buying there. in bulk, so that's the thing. The, I don't the go there super the... often because that is a bulk amount that's going to mm-hmm. last a while. Yeah, we have so much oatmeal <laughs> and like gummy packets. We oatmeal essentials. and gummies and Ritz crackers. Yeah, we have basic life essentials. Oh, and backing up one thing, we should also point out the sister, Ruby Williams, is played by Kelly Jo Minter, who was also in The Lost Boys, classic. Yep, Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Another classic. House Party, which is a very, very classic movie, too. I don't think I've ever saw that. It's really good. I'll have to watch it at some point. There's a lot of stuff that I've missed over the years. There's so much content. It's, it's easy. It's because I watched Jurassic Park 300 times a year. So. Hey, I've watched Star Wars like a million times. So. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, so... I think ultimately the thing I really love about this, again, not only with the messages that ring so true today with gentrification, class warfare, capitalism, all that bullshit. I love that at the end of the day, the little boy was the hero. Yeah. And I'm jumping around a little bit, but one other thing I also wanted to point out with the whole themes in this is that the mother has cancer. Leroy's telling him how simple it would be to get her the surgery she needs, Mm. but she can't afford it. That should never be a thing at all. No way, shape, or form. You don't, you know, I'm all for, like, if it's an elective surgery, like, you want to get, you know, plastic surgery. cosmetic surgery, surgery, yeah. Cosmetic surgery, you know what, that that pay for it out of pocket. You know what, I don't care. But when, unless it's something where it's, like, breast reconstruction from, like, breast cancer or something like that. But I don't see that. I don't see that as... For that, why I can see it should be covered, but you know, if like you know, but if you just, just want a facelift or whatnot, getting a boob job or something, then yeah, that's not happening with breast cancer. Exactly for aesthetic appeal or whatever, then that's kind of on you. Yeah, you can pay for that out of pocket, but anything that's like a life saving treatment, it's preposterous. Like, don't even get me started on the prices of insulin and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the one? fact that we have good insurance. EpiPens. Yeah, like, like I, we have ins- good insurance, and you know, insulin doesn't kill us, even though it's still kind of expensive. But for other people, it's a hell of a lot worse. Yeah. But, like, the fact that it's so marked up. It's not expensive to produce at all. Well, no, and you see, like, at Walmart, like, public service announcement, I guess, for anyone that has never heard this, that Walmart actually does sell insulin over the counter mm-hmm. for a very reasonable price. Now, it's not as good as Novolog or whatever, but yeah. at the same time, if it's between that and having nothing, yeah, that's definitely a, something you can get. So if anyone out there, if you are struggling with that, definitely check that out because it's... I think they also sell their own brand of meters and test strips and stuff that are intentionally a little lower cost yeah so and again maybe it's not they're gonna not be, great but maybe it's, it's not the most accurate nothing. but again it's better than nothing yeah 
And that's the other problem is because all these companies have contracts with the insurance companies mm-hmm. that they're like, oh, well, tell them that ours is covered and we'll give you a bit of a discount. Oh, yeah. Like, for example, I have to go through a thing to get test strips that don't suck. And there's a brand I would love to use, but I can't. I haven't had insurance that has ever covered it. So the best brand of test strips and testing materials aren't covered. Our healthcare system is a disaster. Yeah, so vote for better healthcare, people. Yep. But a lot of this, the class warfare and stuff, is is very prominent. A lot of the, now the more horror elements of this movie... I'd love to talk about those a little bit. Oh, for sure. I think for me, I love how they make it kind of perception as all these people in the walls, these things are messed up. What the hell is going on? But actually, they're the victims. Yeah. And throughout the movie, they help out Fool a lot, especially Roach, who helps him out quite a bit and is a really endearing character. He's friends with Alice and she tries to help him the hand that reached out and so I guarantee that was Roach and oh that yet, was yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, there was not that and he found he found this like kind of interconnected way to get around the house and stuff like that and is in the walls like a Roach he saved them multiple times unfortunately when crazy daddy guy is just shooting his shotgun off like a lunatic going through shooting through the walls it hits him and ultimately kills him yeah and his last thing was writing Alice yeah, and, and the him. dust on the wall, dirt in the wall. Yeah, and tell him fool where to go to, to, where to, to, save go to, her. to save her. So he was just so... He was a good guy. Very good guy. He all, he just wanted to save Alice. And you feel so terrible for all these poor poor people who are lives are completely derailed and ruined because of these selfish psychopaths. But like a lot of the imagery was great and really well done. And the real horror were these two people who seemed like normal people you know when the police show up there they put on this really good act they flip all these switches and the lights come on and there's like soothing background music's mm-hmm. playing and they have all these cookies and stuff for the police one thing i thought of because like with seeing all of that stuff that had been added into the house all these crazy things now some of it they can couple can play off as being that they think the neighborhood's going bad so they're paranoid and whatever mm-hmm. They can play some of that off, but some of the stuff that was pretty extreme that they had, they mentioned something at one point about people who were in that little like pit of despair. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> the people that were in the pit that were like dissolving and whatnot, they made a comment about either like contractors or work people or something like that. And I wondered if some they basically hired certain people to do certain real extreme things and then would kill them. Maybe. Which... Part of me is like, okay, they had to have been like private contractors, though, because if they were anyone that was like a public employee, they would have known they'd gone out there. Of course. So they had to be real crafty with that. And it reminds me again of the H.H. Holmes thing where he didn't necessarily kill most of the people that did that, but he always hired separate contractors to do every little thing. Mm-hmm. To so, cover up what he was actually doing. Yeah. Like, so then that way they wouldn't catch on. So he'd like hire one company to do these weird doors, I guess, to nowhere. Mm-hmm. So... But yeah, like I said, the way they shoot up that house, and again, the fact that when the police come, they don't notice all these shots in the walls and shit. Right. Like, how did they get rid of all that that fast? Right. They riddled this house with bullets and buckshot, which is really creepy, like when we first meet Mommy and Daddy. Uh, oh, that when just he, clicked when in my head. eating those ribs and stuff. And he says, like, darn buckshot? Yeah. Oh, that was a person. Oh, I think you're right. That just occurred to me. Yeah, I didn't notice either, but that, yeah. Oh, gross. Yeah. It just like clicked in my head. So, so they're, like, oh, you God. know, obviously, you know, we've talked about their cannibals too. 
So these are some fudged up people. And the whole, a lot of this is like the cat and mouse game of them trying to escape. When we say cat and mouse hunt again, it reminded me a lot of mm-hmm. mouse hunt with them just like shooting up the walls and exactly. stuff in this house. Just exactly. Like, like with mouse hunt was just. But it was roach hunt. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, they got him. And then they have this, I think it was a Rottweiler. It was, yeah. Um, Named Prince. Prince. They keep sending Prince after them. And Prince can fit in the little cubby holes and stuff like that in the walls. And he's stabbing him with a beret. And he thinks he got full, but he got the dog. Which, you feel bad for the dog. Oh, yeah. But they also feed the dog a human hand and a, of one of the robbers. Not Fing Rames, but the other Apparently, guy. kind of a side thing is during that scene where they feed it the human hand, I guess somehow a wire got in there. Oh. And A.J. Langer saw it and real quickly like, reached into the dog's mouth and grabbed it to make sure the dog didn't get hurt. And everyone was like, oh, my God. Like, wow. That she Good had for the balls her. to reach in there. And I was like, oh, I'd do that because I had... Now, Zach was half Rottweiler, mm-hmm. and he was the best puppy. Mm-hmm. I love Absolutely. Rottweilers. I've known so many good Rottweilers. Great dogs. And then there's Chihuahuas. It's like that, <laughs> that thing where it's like where it was like the top ten worst dogs, or, or dogs that were like most likely to bite or something mm-hmm. like that. Counting down from ten was like you can't base it on the breed, and then the very one is just then all of a sudden Chihuahua. <laughs> oh, Chihuahuas! They are a thing. Yeah, not like the, the old spokes. Doggy for Taco Bell. Yokito Taco Bell. Viva Gorditas. I had a plush where it had kind of. Oh, I did too. It had like the Che Guerrero hat, and you press the button, it would go Viva Gorditas, and it would echo. So it would go Gorditas, Gorditas. I think that's the one I had. Yeah. Did you get it from Taco Bell? Like they had. Of course, yeah. Because it was right around the time that. I think the new Godzilla movie was coming out. Because, Maybe, yeah. Because I remember that in advertising for that, I never saw this commercial, but I remember my dad used to tell me about it, of all things. And I remember always watching TV, hoping to see it, because there was a couple variations of Godzilla commercials, but mm-hmm. apparently there's one where the little Taco Bell dog's sitting there with a box with the stick and, like, the string, and he's going, yeah, lizard, 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 <laughs> and then, like, I guess, and then all of a sudden you see, like, the shadow of Godzilla, and he goes, uh-oh, I think I need a bigger box. <laughs> I did not see that one. I didn't either, but my dad used to tell me about it. And I like, to this day, I mean, I'm sure we'll have YouTube, to YouTube has it. Yeah. We'll YouTube that later. Eventually, Fool gets out. He didn't just get out. He goes off the roof and into he the does, pond. And goes into the pond. And it was cool that Roach gave him the coins. Yeah, he gives him the coins so that that way he also can show people that, yeah, the coins yeah, are the really coins fucking Yeah, the coins exist. He, he got out and he gets back and that's when he talks to his grandfather. And the you know, grandfather tells him all about this horrible family. And there's brother and sister and how screwed up they are. And then... Well, the funny thing is at first he goes that he says something to the effect of that when he was a kid, no one would walk by that house. They wouldn't walk by it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, but you're older than these people. But then it occurred to me that I was like, no, this is generations of this mm-hmm. family being fucked up. Yeah, this is... These aren't the start of this. They're, he said that they were like the end of the line, like the last two. It reminds me a bit of The Fall of House of Usher. You know, the short story by, obviously, our beloved Edgar Allan Poe. In that story, of course, it's a brother and sister and, of course, the unnamed narrator that is so frequented in his stories. Mm-hmm. But he goes and he finds the brother and sister. Eventually, the sister seems like she dies. And Roderick, her brother, is afraid that they're going to like study her, so he wants to entomb her in like the family tomb. But when he does that, apparently she was still alive, and it seems like he knew it. And I believe, actually, it's confirmed that he does know that she's alive. And then... She ends, of course, breaking out, and then she goes and kills her brother by sc- apparently just scaring him to death, and then she dies. So basically, this is, the again, the fall of the House of Usher, where 
these two die together. Yeah. And of course, unnamed narrator splits. And I guess there was a, from the time they start, there's like a crack in the house, which I obviously is showing the divide and everything. I don't know if it's ever, I don't think it's ever actually implied that they're like sleeping together or anything, but just that obviously that they're like the last remaining of the family. So it just reminds me of this in that, like, again, very loosely, but just the idea of like, you know, the brother and sister being the last in the line and oh. being messed up a bit. Yeah. And that's a girl. That's a really good parallel. I think at this point we've kind of gone over all the main themes of it. I mean, is there anything else you want to talk about with it? It's a movie where, yeah, there's a lot of social commentary, but it's also not weighed down by it. You know, you can get some movies that rely on that too heavily. They don't get the balance right. Maybe there's a little too much commentary. Maybe there's not enough. This hits all the right notes. It's like we mentioned at the beginning, it's one of Wes Craven's more lesser known movies, but the quality is great and it gets outlandish, like really outlandish. Like the bondage outfit is just utterly ridiculous. And they have guns everywhere. Like there's guns all over this house. He's just like, oh, here's another shotgun. Here's another gun. And it's like, which again parallels so much today with the crazy rich white Republicans. Mm -hmm. And there's like just guns everywhere. And, of course, there's, you know, they're not really good at using them either, which goes along with it, too. But they're just, sh and they're just shooting up their house. And it gets utterly ridiculous. But I like the end where everybody breaks out and, you know, all the children are just kind of walking out of there. And yeah, and the, the sad part of those, it kind of occurs to you that they're going to end up just probably on the street like mm -hmm. all the other people. And that there's nothing good that's going to happen for them either, despite yeah. them getting out. Yeah, the way the movie ends... Mommy's already been stabbed. She's dead. And... Yeah, okay, and Fool blows up the basement, mm -hmm. basically blows up the... Blows up the the money pool. Yeah, and, and the money's just falling down. Yeah, it just rain... The money's raining down. All the people are celebrating and grabbing it, but these children just kind of going out. But and, after that explosion, you'd think more of the money would have been, like, burned up and shit. I'm sure some of it was, but a lot of it was just launched out of there. I'm sure the coins were okay. Apparently that coin they used, it, like, early on in it, though, is apparently, like, a real expensive type of coin. Hmm. It's called yeah, the coin they use it's called an american gold eagle hmm. and apparently it contains one ounce of 22 karat gold and in 1991 when this was filmed it would have been worth about 708 dollars nice and there was a lot of those so yeah i don't think that all of them were real i think it's just the one that they sure. held. one part was the one they got like a real one and i don't actually know if it was it because i looked online and they said it's real but I don't know if they were saying, like, that coin that he had was, like, the genuine article or just that is a real coin. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> no, no, it does. Whether it's an actual coin that has existed in reality or if the one he had in his hand was a legitimate one or a, or a copy. Yeah. Also, side note, there was a Criminal Minds episode where they did pretty much almost like a one-to-one -one similar kind of story. Apparently, the wife they even made have her hairstyle look pretty much identical and i was like, i remember hmm. watching this thing i was like i feel like i've seen this before but i actually watched this and i didn't remember <laughs> but yeah it's apparently husband and wife they own a funeral home and they abduct children oh so well, there you go remember that story that had that incident that happened in cleveland oh the one with the it wasn't like children that was like those like it was young girls but they weren't like yeah children. Young they girls, were like teenage they were girls teenage girls that were just abducted and held captive for years and the one finally got out mm-hmm and ironically, first person she runs into is a black man. And, and he says, like, there's in no, the news. He's like, like, I knew something was wrong because there's no way a white girl will be running towards a brother like me or something like that. That's another funny thing is also in the movie where, where Fool asks Alice at one point, he says, what, you've never seen a brother before? Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't have a brother. 
Yeah. It's like she's so clueless. Like, yeah, like, like she, no, I need like a black isolation. Dude. They have no idea what anything that goes on, on the outside of their little. Yeah, she and she was scared to go bubble. outside, and that's why I think multiple times when there's points where she could have got away, and like mommy comes down and attacks her. Yeah, I think that she could have got out of that house far quicker, and she didn't because it's the idea of like the fear of the outside also. Yeah, like she's in a terrible situation there, knows she needs to get out. Yeah. But she doesn't know what's out there. It's the fear of the unknown in many ways. It's like Rapunzel, but a lot more fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's a similar idea, though. Baby stolen, mm-hmm. raised, but you know, pretty much in an abusive situation, though not nearly the same level of abuse. Yeah, but still like a mental abuse kind yeah. of thing. This was physical and mental. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. So I think we should probably go to our ratings. Yeah. So for overall, our skull rating, what are you going to give it? I would say I'll give this a four. It's not perfect, but it's cult favorite that deserves more attention. It hits the right balance. The notes hits all the right notes. A lot of creepy, crazy stuff happening. It's a really well done movie. Deserves more attention. Absolutely watch it. I'm sure it'll get it once Jordan Peele releases his version of it. Yeah, it's reached a good status now. Initially, it didn't get much attention. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I was in agreement. I was thinking of four. Again, this is not something that's completely groundbreaking in, I mean, it is in many ways, but not as much as like some other films. Mm-hmm. I do like that, again, The what would normally be the bad guys, the creepy guys are the victims in this, and a totally normal looking couple is actually the monsters in this. It turns that stereotype don't, on its head. Don't judge by appearance. Exactly. Kind of so, and again, like I said, all the social commentary I loved pretty much everything about it i love like i said it's not going to be something that's it's groundbreaking in some ways but not in others so i think i think a four is pretty fair yeah i agree and you know think about it, like Candyman came out in 92 this came yeah. out in 91 yeah so it was and, like back to back of yeah you think about social commentary things that you think about in history at that time in the early 90s that the whole gentrification thing was something that was really sensationalized a lot Mm -hmm. it was put out a lot by media about bad areas of cities and a lot of racial segregation pretty much like it's trying to demonize these people they should be helped not demonized yeah for sure for scary factor um, it's was, mentally disturbing as hell. Yeah, I was thinking a three for me because, like I said, it's disturbing. It's very much, especially if you were a kid watching this, it may could probably really feel like something that could happen, like you could get stolen and raised by psychopaths. Mm-hmm. So I think that the fear of like something like that and the idea of there's a lot of bad things that can happen to you. You know, there's a lot of ways people can get killed and stuff, but this is not just being killed. This is suffering for a long time. And pretty much, I think most of the people probably have suffered from practically birth. Yeah, it's long-term torture. Yeah, not only are they tortured, you know, when they're actually living in the house as normal, but they're tortured now when they're put in under the stairs, you know, and they're in the basement. They're, yeah. they're, they're tortured. They're captives. Yeah, they get they, either their tongues cut out or their ears cut off and mm-hmm. all this stuff and just terrible things happening to them and continuing to happen. Yeah, and you think they, they're not going to be able to very easily go into society and... no. No, that's why it leads me to all these people, unfortunately, are just going to be people on the streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. And But at the same time, at least they have some sort of chance now, it feels like. Right. So, let's say, for me, the fear of, like, that, and then also just the whole social commentary of just the way things are nowadays, mm-hmm. you know? We're kind of like the roaches in the walls, trying just mm-hmm. trying to get by. Yeah. You go, this was made over about oh, 
30 years ago and a lot of the themes are still relevant today really says something for me i think it's funny that it took you a second to you're like like i could see like you running the numbers in your head like 30 years ago yeah because like 91 which is my birth year and i'm just looking at you like like a little puppy dog face of like like you know how many years unfortunately (laughs) i'm the old i'm the old man here no you're not but um i'm just messing for scare factor i would probably give it a three like you did and i debated in my head between a three and a four because mentally the situation is frightening but it's also portrayed in a kind of campy way Mm -hmm. which is part of the brilliance of it because it draws in you just want a campy horror film that's a little over the top but if you dig down beneath the surface there's something real there Mm -hmm. so i'd say a three is probably the right spot for me yeah and then for music and sound there was nothing really that stood out to me in this i mean there was nothing negative with it but nothing that really like was it's not like you know like john carpenter where you're always going to have like amazing music that just really like sticks in your head and stands out you know oh for sure but i mean all the sound effects and everything were good and everything like that but i think i'd just give it a two because only because not to detract from it but in the sense of like nothing jumped out and grabbed me it's like wow this is amazing music or something you know not a lot of music in this movie honestly no i mean there's always gonna be the little background stuff of Mm -hmm. stuff happening which again that's why i'm not like gonna give it a one not not a big soundtrack to this Um, yeah some of the sound effects were cool like they made it a point it seemed like to really accentuate like when they're locking doors and stuff like that really loud locking when they all got shocked Mm -hmm. they had the electrocution scene which was interesting but there's some good sound effects but it's nothing overt it's nothing bad but it's not a standout part of this movie yeah if i could give it a two and a half i would but give it a three if you want to round it up i would say a lot of movies that i would rank as sound at a three would probably have a little more meat to it than this did so the sound was fine it was effective for what it was but it wasn't anything over the top so i'll give it a two yeah all their meat was getting thrown into that cesspool oh boy he also noticed he also noticed there was a meat grinder oh yeah i did notice that (laughs) <laughs> yeah like, like yeah i just kind of thought of it now oh yeah ew. <laughs> yeah uh for effects effects i'll give it a three i think i don't think there's anything overt here but you know the makeup job and stuff done on all the people in the walls were really good a lot of the explosion well, people in the ba- in, under the stairs in the walls was just roach yeah that's true but people under the stairs and stuff like that and was really well done the gunshots and the walls exploding that was pretty well done you know a lot of like little like tunnels in the walls that was really well done the perspective and stuff was good on that i would say a three is fair nothing overt but it was well done i was feeling a three as well like i really liked also like when they're going down the chimney at one point and like the effect of like it would make it look like it's going faster than it is to an extent like that little sped up bit i like that obviously like the hand they feed the dog is really fake looking but it's also yeah I gotta love that early 90s, late 80s cheese that happened with these, so... And obviously they had to make something the dog could actually eat, so... But yeah, so for that, I mean, I'm not gonna necessarily fault it for that, but it's also obviously not the best practical effect I've ever seen. But it's a practical effect. Yeah, and practical effects will always rank higher for me. Yep. So, last but not least is gore. It's not overtly gory. Like, it's not gonna gross me out. There's certain parts where, like, they show Bing Rame's character kind of torn up. That was gross. Yeah, like with them hanging, they're just like 
carving them up like yeah and eating it uh, the guy's just taking a little nibble having a little snack when he's carving yeah. up the body and... i'm feeling a three for it personally yeah i'd say a three is fair because it does have gore i mean obviously like you said there's the parts where the body's getting cut up there's that cesspool they throw him into mm-hmm. there's a point where that's gross the guy that was the partner for Leroy like that his hand starts getting eaten by the people under the stairs that's mm-hmm. a bit gross again the dog eating the hand's a bit gross same hand yeah everybody liked that hand yeah. don't they know not to bite the hand it feeds you even when the hand is the thing feeding you yeah literally well I mean you know George Casanza thought he had hand and he didn't so <laughs> same thing different concept yep <laughs> there's my Seinfeld reference I yep. had hand and you're gonna need it <laughs> So, but yeah, for me, again, it's not going to be obviously like the saw level gory, but it's also not something that's so tame that there's almost no gore. I mean, yeah. I think real middle of the road for when it comes to horror yeah. levels of gore. Yeah, I, I there's there weren't any points where I was like extremely grossed out or anything, no. and so you know there's a little bit, but on average, for you'll see a little more yeah. than you do in this movie. Hence. Or middle of the road right Yeah, I see. A lot of this was middle of the road for me, other than, like I said, I really like the story. The story, the movie itself overall, like you're breaking down individual elements. Yeah, they might not stand up, but it is a package together with the really awesome, well done story and the script is really solid. That elevates it as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a good place to cut it off and... I think so too. Get ready to watch another movie. Indeed. As always, thanks for listening to us and taking the time. And until next time, this has been We All Pod down here. I'm Brittany. And I'm Dan. Bye. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Our logo was designed by Emmanuel Arroyo. Our website is weallpoddownhere.com. Email us at weallpoddownhere at gmail.com. And you can follow our shenanigans at weallpod on Twitter. And at weallpoddownhere on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to suggest a movie you want us to review. Or if you just want to suggest something to make me really uncomfortable. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs>